Uh, all right, so today's sermon title is called The Struggle is Real. We've all have said that maybe at one point or felt that, man, the struggle is real. You know, uh, we say that when we're going through some things. Uh, we're saying that when we're trying to do something and it's not working out or we want something and we're not getting it and it doesn't seem it's going to be possible for us to get it and we're going to have to, I don't know, hustle, struggle, whatever we're going to have to do. And, and we say, man, the struggle is real. Many of us, we wrestle with these struggles. And I use the word purposely wrestle because I wanted to kind of give you an illustration in your mind. You know, um, I grew up in the 80s, right? Whoa, right? <laughs> and um, wrestling was a big part of that. You know, WWF, you know, all that stuff. That, it, it was, we grew up on that, you know? And so um, back in the 80s, big part, big part of my childhood, um, there was a wrestling match that is considered the greatest of all time, even till today. It happened in my generation, right? Um, it was 1987, and it was WrestleMania three, three. And it was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Man, telling you, the greatest wrestling match of all time. What made it so great? I mean, first of all, it was, uh, these two guys were the face of wrestling. They were face. Everybody had either an Andre the Giant toy or a Hulk Hogan toy. You had to, you know? Um, <laughs> when you were playing and you were wrestling with your friends, somebody was gonna be Andre the Giant and somebody was gonna be Hulk Hogan. I mean, it was just, it's just, it just, that's the way it was. It was considered the greatest. They were the, the, two, of, uh, of the two faces of wrestling. Um, uh, it was held in the largest arena in history for WrestleMania. And uh, they had more in attendance than any other WrestleMania in history. And I still don't think they've topped it. I still don't I mean, don't get me wrong, maybe the last couple years. But I don't think they topped it. And me saying this, have you, guys have, a, have you guys ever had a wrestling match within yourselves? You know? One that was for the books. One that if you would have sold tickets, you would have sold out, and you would have had a whole audience of people, because you know how people knows you, right? You would have had a whole bunch of people sitting there with popcorn watching your life. I wrestled in high school. Uh, freshman year, I wrestled, um, and it was, I'm proud to say, right? I, mean, I look back at it now, 115, <laughs> 115 pounds, 118 weight class. I don't think, you know, it's impossible for me to ever, I wouldn't even want to be that skinny anymore. But um, I wrestled, I enjoyed it. It was a sport. My dad made me quit because I got a C in one of my classes. Yeah, good dad. I don't know, dad. I, dad, I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender. Um, 
But I'm not talking about the physical aspect of wrestling. I'm talking about a struggle that's happening within you. You're wrestling. You're asking. You're pleading. You're looking to God and saying, what's going on? You know, it's a battle between you and God. It's a struggle. Think about that. You know, you're at a point where you just can't take it anymore. You're at a point where you're desperate to get past some situations in your life. You know, you're, you want to get over something. You find yourself going back and forth with God because you don't understand why you're still here or why this is happening or why you can't get over something. Or, and you struggle with God and you have this back and forth with him. You're saying, God, why, why am I going through this? Why, why do I feel this way? What do I have to do to get past this, you know? But it's a fight because it's like you're still there and you don't want to be there anymore. Today we're going to talk about a man who, who was in this situation himself where he struggled with God. I want to take, the, I want to take us to Genesis. Genesis chapter 32. Verses 24 to 28. 24 to 28. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God. Say struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Praise God. So quick background. I won't take too much time, but we got to know what's going on. Like, who's this dude? Like, like, who's this guy, Jacob, right? And why is he struggling with God? Why is he struggling with this, with this man that the Bible says, right? So let's go back to uh, when Jacob's dad, Esau, was getting older. He's getting older. um, I'm sorry, Isaac. Uh, Jacob's Jacob's dad, Isaac, is getting older. He's kind of going blind a little bit. Um, If you kind of like close your eyes and like open them just a little bit, you know how you can kind of like see shapes and lights and stuff like that? It was something like that, right? He's not fully blind, but he really can't see, like, details. Um, Jacob is a twin brother. He has a twin brother named Esau. So Esau is the older of the two. Esau and Jacob, twin brothers, their dad Isaac going blind. He's getting older. It's time for Isaac to give the blessing to the eldest son, Esau. However, Jacob's mom, Rebecca, formulates a little plan because she wants 
to trick her own husband. Yo, this is like a soap opera here. Like, check this out. She wants to trick her own husband into giving the birthright, the blessing, I mean the blessing to Jacob, who's the younger of the two. And so while Esau is out handling man business, right, hunting, you know, doing all that stuff, she takes like goat fur and stuff like that and she puts it on on Jacob, and the reason why she does that was because Esau was like a manly man with a lot of hair all over the place, and Jacob was not. Jacob was not, and so what happened was she had to cover Jacob up and, and make him feel rough and rigid, and, 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 and because when, when, she, when East, Isaac would, would go to touch Jacob, he would think that he was touching Esau. And so that's exactly what happened. Uh, Rebecca brings in Jacob to Isaac, and Isaac thinks that it's Esau and gives him the blessing. Esau finds out, definitely not happy about it, tells his brother, like, hey, listen up. When dad dies, you die. I'm going to wait till he's gone, and then you're gone. At this point, Jacob's like, well, I'm not waiting. And he takes off, and now he's like on the run, and he leaves, right? While he's gone, he meets this girl named Rachel, and he falls in love with Rachel. And he says, listen, tells her dad, and he's like, I want to marry your daughter. Pop says, you know what? You seem like a good guy. I'm going to just work for me for seven years, and then you can marry my daughter. Hey, what people would do for love, right? So he works hard for seven years, and on wedding day, he realizes he's been bamboozled because he's been given Leah. And Leah was the not-so-attractive one. <laughs> Weak eyes, right? So then he's like, you tricked me. I didn't want Leah. I wanted Rachel. And I told you this and you knew this and you made me work for seven years. Calm down. You want Rachel? You can have Rachel too. You can marry both my daughters. Just work another seven years. And he works another seven years. I don't know. I would have just take Rachel and bounced. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. Um, he, he worked another seven years and then he marries Rachel. Now he's got two families. Leah's and Rachel's, and, and in time, and in time, he begins to hear from God, and God is saying, go back to the land of your, your father. Go back to your father's land. At this point, it kind of like, well, you know, if I go back to my dad's land, Esau's over there. Esau's been wanting to kill me, and if I go back, he's going to kill me. So you know what? Let's, let's strategize. Let me take my families, um, and he put together, like, a bribe kit, a bunch of gifts, you know, cattle, you know, and he sends it to Esau. Esau's like, I don't need this. I'm going to go after you. And he's coming toward Jacob, uh, Jacob with 400 men. He's on his way. Talk about squad. I know some of us grew up with a squad, right? But our squad's usually like four guys, five guys. Tops was six, but five was like the cutoff, right? You know, and the thing is like, 400, that's a lot of guys coming after you, a lot of guys. And so here we are. This is where, this is where we're at because he, he, he separates his families, he divides his family into kind of almost like 
sacrificing one half of his family, like putting them closer in case <laughs> Esau comes to annihilate them. They only get half his family. And he's got another one over here. Um, and he finds himself alone with God at this moment. This is where the context of our scripture takes place. You know, he's alone with God at this moment. Verse 24 says he was left alone. Now, I want to say this. I want to say that our Christian walk, we're not, it's, it wasn't designed for us to walk this walk alone. It's not designed for that. You know, that's why God gives us community. That's why we have that's why we have church. People say, well, why do we need church? Well, we need church because we need each other. Amen. You know? When, 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 when you fall, I help you get up. When I fall, you know, then, then you guys help me get up. You know, um, the best example is just the realest thing that happened. I mean, you know, my, my, you guys know my, my mother-in-law had just passed away, and we have the funeral today, but this week has been rough for our family. But what made it, what made it, uh, not as tough to go through was knowing that we were loved and there was prayers from our church family. You know, we, were, we received food and flowers and prayers and text messages. So I want to thank you guys for that. I want to thank everyone who prayed for us, who sent us flowers, who sent us food and things like that. I mean, this is, what, this is why we have community. We support each other. We're there for each other. No one should be going through the hardships of life alone. However, there are certain times in your life where you need to do this and intentionally be alone. And I say certain times, not live in a lifestyle of solitude. No, I'm talking about there are times that you need to separate yourself from the noise, separate yourself from everybody, everything that's going on, and then be intentional on being alone with God. We have to be intentional about that sometimes. You know, um, sometimes our best thinking is done when there's no distractions, right? When there's nothing interrupting, you know, and all the parents are like, yes. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I like to camp so much, and I love camping, I haven't gone in a while, but, it, but I'm, I told my wife, we are going to be intentional and going this year a couple times. But, um, but the reason why I like being out in the wilderness is because there's no noise. There's no noise. Anything that you hear out in the wilderness are sounds. No noise. No matter how annoying some insects may be, it's a sound. It's not a noise, you know? Um, and what happens is those are the sounds of nature. And I, and I like being in, in, that, in that environment because it reminds me of God's, like, perfectness. You know, because that's his creation untouched. Every, you know, we, we, we live here, we see his creation, but, but, but man has made this and made that, and although God has given us the wisdom to do this, it's still not untouched creation. It's been, you know, that man's hands have been on it. But man can't take credit for the wilderness. Can't take credit for the stuff. So when you're in there, it's like I'm, I'm closer to God. And so it's in those moments that I feel like God just speaks to me in a way that I don't experience sometimes out here in the city. 
sometimes also our most effective praying is done when we're alone. Because sometimes, let's be real, some of you guys are so worried about the boogies coming out and, and, the, and the mascara um, uh, um, you know, bl- uh, smearing that you don't want to really just c- cry and pray before God because of what people might say or how you might look after. And so there are times that you are alone that obviously you don't care, right? And it just all comes out before God. Now, this struggle, we know Jacob is part of the struggle, but he's struggling with what the Bible calls a man. Now, it's in verse 24, it says, and a man wrestled with him. Now, this is a mystery to many because people are like, well, wait a minute, wait, a man, is it God, is it angel, what's going on here? And I want you guys to just be at ease. Um, I just want to clarify some things. Um, The man is with a capital M, so it's not just any... any person. You know, if they were talking about us, me, it would be a man with a lowercase m, right? So we already know it's something divine. And then we go, you go into the thing, well, is it an angel? Is it God himself or was it an angel? Well, because Hosea um, chapter 12, verses 3 and 4, it refers, it goes, he goes back to the story, but he refers to it both as an angel and God. Then you look at verse 28, and it says, and, 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 and in verse 28, he says, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and, over, and, and overcome and prevail. Either which way we can't get caught up with what this means, because sometimes we miss out on the main point, because we get so caught up on some details, which really the fact is God. He struggled with God. Was it an angel? Was it God himself? It was a divine representation of God or God himself. It's God. Okay? Can we, can we be at ease on that? Can we be at ease on that? Because sometimes some people are like, well, I can't, no, I can't go on with the sermon, Pastor, because is it, is it an angel or is it God? Come on. I'm, I, God, he struggled with God. He had a, 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 a moment there, him and, and, and the Lord. And so what happens is here, what's happening? There's a struggle going on. There's a fight going on. Um, they're wrestling. You know, he, the guy's wrestling with God, with this divine uh, encounter he's having here, right? And although the word prayer isn't used in this passage, this is what's happening. Because what's happening is he's saying, um, I I won't let go until you bless me. He's asking for a blessing, right? When we go before God in prayer, we ask for a blessing. We ask for blessing in prayer when we talk to God and communicating with God. You know, we we ask uh, for blessings for various reasons. Some of us are asking for healing. Some of us are asking for forgiveness, Some of us are asking for strength in our times of weakness. We're asking for comfort in our times of sorrow. We're asking for uh, courage in times of fear or deliverance in times of danger. The fact is that Jacob was wrestling with God. It means that there's sometimes prayer can be difficult or strenuous. And I want to explain this and I want to talk about this because the situation at hand uh, Jacob is by himself. 400 guys are coming after him right now, right? 
Is it easy to kneel down and pray at this moment? Or would it be easier to catch your people and, and run? Thing is that God told him to go back and he went back. Now he finds himself in this situation and he's praying. And he's, he's there before God and, 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 and it's not an easy thing to do because now here you are, you're wrestling with God and as you're wrestling with God, the situation is getting closer and closer. It's coming at you. But you're not moving because you're wrestling with God. And now he's at a desperate state. He says, I gotta, I, there's nothing else. I gotta, I'm going to be here until you save me, until you bless me. You know, it's difficult to make a decision. Yo, that's like playing chicken, right? When it's coming at you and you're staying and saying who's going to move first. He sees the danger coming toward him and he has to stay there and he has to trust God. Right now, his trust is in God. and He's not letting go until God comes through for him. But you know what? As I read this, right? I know it's hard for us to pray and hard for us to focus at times because of all the stuff that's coming at us and everything that's happening to us and all the things that we're going through and, um, and explains, you know, honestly, if we're honest, right? It explains why so many of us, when we pray, we, or someone, many of us don't pray very effectively. Um, and I say this because sometimes we're not willing to put in the work. We're not willing to put in the effort, you know? Um, I know it's hard, but it's a process of you deciding, I'm gonna put in the effort, I'm gonna put in the work, I'm gonna force myself. You know, sometimes we're praying, and it happens all the time to all, all, many of us, we're praying, distraction, kid yells, screams, stop, you go to, and you, you, don't, you don't go back to it, right? Life, you say you're gonna pray, and, um, and, I'm, and this was, I had to stop praying, laying down in bed because I'll just fall asleep. I'll fall asleep. Right? Ah, I'm going to lay down and finally. Father God, thank you for the. That's it. Because you're laying, you know? And so what happens is, you know, sometimes, you know, putting in the work and, and, and the extra effort. We know it's hard to put in the extra effort because Tuesday nights are the least attended service, which are prayer services, right? But across the world, you know, well, let me not say the world. Across the United States, because some of the countries are like truly praying countries. And unfortunately, we, should, we are not praying the way that we need to be praying within the American church. But um, that's just... Okay. Anyways, so listen, across the board, prayer nights, eh, that's, just, that's just prayer. That's just prayer. Am I miss, yeah, I'm not missing anything. It's just prayer. And so what happens is we flag it, but not understanding that the power of God is, 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 is you tap into the power of God through prayer. We want healing, but then we don't pray. We tell others to pray. Hey, Joseph, um, I'm not feeling too good. When you go to prayer, can you pray for me? Joseph's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could go yourself and we'll, you know, we'll pray for you. We'll anoint you. Wow. 
I know it. I know it sounds cruel, you know, tough the way I'm saying it. But the thing is, listen, and I don't, and I don't ever want people to not give their prayer petitions. But if you have an opportunity to bring your petition, there, there's a difference in bringing your petition than sending your petition. You know, because you're putting the work in, you're putting in the effort. You're not just saying, "Hey, pray for this." No, it's like, "Hey, we need to pray for this." And then, and like, let's, let's pray for this. Let's get together. Let's come together. Let's, let's do this. And, and listen, I, um, I know because of the wedding, of the funeral and things like that, I, I haven't been this week around, but two Tuesdays ago, we had a powerful time in prayer. We came together. People were intentional in coming to prayer. I'm here because I need God to do something in my life tonight. And guess what? God did it. James 5.16, the second half of, uh, of James 5.16, it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Fervent. What does that mean? <laughs> Having or displaying passionate intensity. Are you guys passionately intense when you go before God in prayer? Are you guys so intense when you go before God in prayer? Like, God, I know you're the only one, and I need you. I trust you. I believe your word. Father, your word says this. Your word says this, so guess what? I got to believe this. I'm trusting it, so I got to see this. Because your word says it, and you're not a man that would lie, so what's up? Go before God with his intense prayers. And be passionate before him. I'm not saying be disrespectful, you know. I'm just saying, you know who you're talking to? He controls it all. All of it. And the way you communicate with the person, with God that controls it all is by prayer. How intense are your prayers? How passionate are you? to desire to see God break the chains in your life that he broken. How passionate and how intense are you praying before God for him to heal those around you that, they may, that may be sick? I mean, do you want to see it? This, this is what, this is what I, sometimes I'm like, do you want to see it? Do you guys want to see the supernatural? Do you want to see miracles? Do you want to see healing? Do you want to see deliverance? Do you want to see these things? Because, I mean, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I want to see it. But then, okay, let's go. Be intense with your prayers. Be passionate. Put the work in. And you will see God move in a powerful way. Listen, and you guys know, I say this, I think, too much. Maybe I need to stop. But I don't want to play church. 
I don't want to play church. I don't want to just come in every Sunday and kumbaya, uh, and then we leave again and, and nothing changes. The chains are still tight. The sickness is still around. People are still walking in bondage and need deliverance. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, what good, is, what good is it to come together if we're not going to see people healed? We're not going to see people set free from the demonic presences that are within them? People are walking bound. What good is it coming together? We're not going to be empowered by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do we want that? And, and so it's like, it's like what, why are we here? We got to be intense. We got to be passionately intense and say, God, and our conversation with God and say, listen, I want to see this. I need you. I need an intervention. Are our prayers intense? Jacob wrestles all night. He's putting in work. Because if anybody fights or wrestles, you know that two minutes seems like a long time. If you ever boxed, if you ever fought, or if you wrestled, five minutes is an eternity in a ring. It just feels like a long time. You're worn out, especially if you're actually fighting for five minutes and not just dancing around the ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's an intense, draining five minutes. And I've wrestled, but all night is demanding on your body. So he wrestles all night. He's putting in the work. He was resilient and persistent, saying, I'm not going to give up until you bless me. There was nothing anybody could do. There was nothing anyone could do to save him. Nobody else, you know? Jacob is going to die. 400 guys coming his way. 400 guys coming his way. He's going to die. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, no one could save him or his family, no one but God. No one but God. Have you ever been in this place in your life where you're in a predicament, or a situation, your circumstances, that just, there's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else anyone else can do. I need a miracle. Have you ever gotten to an I need a miracle moment in your life? Why is it that, oh, now your prayers change? Notice, notice how, how, how desperate those prayers get. What if, why, why can't we be desperate in prayer all the time? But we all know, you know, when we get to those moments, how desperate our prayers get. God, please, I'll do anything. I'll change my life. I'll stop doing this and I'll stop doing that and I'll stop going here and I want. We've all, I've said it a million times. He knows that God is the only one that can help him and he's not letting go until he gets that help. So what happens? Verse 25 says that when the man saw that he cannot overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. Now, if this is God, you know, why God couldn't over, why couldn't God overpower him? We know God is almighty. God is all powerful. Well, it's not really the context of that God couldn't like overpower him. It was the fact that, you know, in this struggle, God's trying to convince Jacob to just give in, just give in. I'm going to explain something to you guys. I want you guys to hear me out. Giving in was going to be necessary for Jacob to face up to his sins so that God could bless him. 
And at this moment, Jacob had not been willing to acknowledge his sins. Sometimes we struggle with God and sometimes the predicaments that we're in, we put ourselves in. And we want God to save us from it, but we're not willing to go before God and say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Those 400 men are coming over to get him because he tricked his brother in the first place. Right? So in order to bring Jacob to the point where God wanted him, God, dude, this must be painful. I don't know. I don't even know how that must feel. I mean, he removes, he, he like pops his hip out of socket or something like that. Painful. Painful. Why is it that pain makes us reevaluate our situation? You know? Pain will make you reevaluate the whole situation. You know? Something simple like, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll move this. You pick, oh, it's really hot. Forget it. I don't know. We got to think of another plan. We got to think of something else. Pain will make you change your whole outlook on certain things. Verse 26 says, let me go. It's daybreak. And you're struggling, Jacob. Face up to your sins. Get right with God so that you can be in a position to be blessed. We serve a God that wants to bless us. I mean, you know, I'm not going to stay here and say, you know, all of Christianity is blessing, 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 because then when you don't get blessed at a certain, or, you're, or what you may be considered a blessing, then all of a sudden you're upset. But we serve a God that loves us and wants to. But many times we are not in the right spot to receive it. This is why submitting to God and allowing him to direct your steps, right? Allow, submitting and obeying and, and, and letting him guide you through where he wants you, then you end up here and this is where he drops a blessing. Or he walks you right into one. But it requires submitting, surrendering, obedience, all things that, man, we don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about those things. But those things, if you allow it to just, if you just give yourself to them, then you will be positioning yourself in a place for blessing. So, Jacob, Jacob, and he's like, not until you bless me. So he's still not getting it. He's still not really getting it. And so God decides to to bring it home. (laughs) He's not getting it. So he says says to him, what's your name? What's your name? Well, this is God. He knows his name. So why is he asking? If you look throughout the scriptures, many times we see how uh, the scriptures and, and you know, how God will often force people to face a reality. How many times God will force us to face a reality by proposing a question or making a thought-provoking statement. So an example of that would be in um, John chapter um, 4, verse 16 and 18. It was the Samaritan woman by the well. 
And uh, Jesus says to her, go call your husband and, and, and come here. This moment, she had a decision to make. She, she, she had a decision to make right here. Do I just be like, okay, leave and never come back? You know, do I, do I think, make something up? Or, and she decides to just come clean. She says, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. I told you this is all soap opera stuff here, right? He confronted her, and she had a decision to make. Who are you really? What is your name? My name is Jacob. He tells us, well, who, woman, are you, like, like, who are you? She's like, well, I'm not married, you know, and, and, and she allowed him to see who she was. She, she said who she was. And in that moment, when Jesus confronted her sin and she was convicted and she received him as the, being the Messiah, she leaves from there and she ends up telling all. Her life has changed. But her life was changed starting with the acknowledgement of who she was. Many of us are walking around and we have yet to acknowledge who you really are. We want to paint a picture of what we want people to see, but who are you? Because I'm going to tell you right now, God sees who you really are. He doesn't see what you pretend to be for everyone else. And he's waiting for you to cut it out, go to him and says, this is who I am, God. And then he's like, yes. Now I can work with you. Just like Alcohol Anonymous, right? My name is Vince and I'm an alcoholic. Great. Now we can work from here. Because you've acknowledged that there's a problem. You've acknowledged that you're not perfect. You've acknowledged that you need a savior. In spite of all the wrestling and the yearning for a blessing, Jacob still hasn't gotten the point required to, so that he could receive his blessing. So God cuts to the chase and he says, what is your name? And Jacob, you know, he's like, uh, Jacob. My name is Jacob. But something happens there because I want you guys to know what Jacob means. Jacob means schemer, deceiver, trickster. By him saying, my name is Jacob, he's saying, I am a rotten guy. I've lied. I've cheated. I've, de I've deceived. I'm owning up to my sins. This is who I am. Now, at last, he's in a position to receive a blessing. In verse 28, God says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. 
means, and Israel means that you wrestle with God. You are triumphant with God. To wrestle with God and be triumphant with God. Your name was once a trickster. Your name was once, well, was once a deceiver. You know, uh, you were a schemer. And now your name means someone who wrestled with God and was triumphant. Someone triumphant. Victorious. There's... So many of us are holding on to our names, the names of the past, the names of people that we were, names that represent a life without God. It represents a life without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, right? It represents a life when you were rebellious or disobedient or, and you hold on to a name and God is saying, I want to change your name. I want to change it and show you that you are victorious in me. Some of us are struggling with God, right? And we're yearning for a blessing. We're yearning for a blessing. God, please. We're desperate in our circumstance. We, we don't see hope in our circumstances. We don't see a solution in our circumstances and we're before God and saying, God, you got to do something. You got to do something. We go before God because it's easier to run to him and say, God, I need you to do this in my life now because I'm not going to make it another day than going before him and say, listen, I'm a mess and owning up to who you are, owning up to what you've done, holding, owning up to how we've lived and we haven't repented from those things and we haven't confessed to him before, but then we go and we ask things of him. Well, let me tell you, if there's no repentance, if there's no forgiveness, if there's no owning up to who you really are, then guess what? The struggle is real because you will be in a struggle because you will want God to do certain things in your life and God's like, hey, I want to do it, but you got to position yourself where I want you. And it's like a stubborn three-year-old and I know all about that, especially these last couple weeks. I'll say it publicly, Mr. Mom is not for me. I can't be Mr. Mom yeah, to all the mothers. A deeper appreciation of everything that you do. But it's like being a three-year-old who you say, stand here, but because you said stand here, she wants to stand here. And then when I don't give her what she wanted, because she didn't stand where I told her, then she's upset and she's crying and she's throwing a tantrum. And that's us. We throw tantrums with God all the time. Why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you not doing what the Bible says? Because your word says it, right? He will do what his word says, but at the same time, his word also tells you 
and gives you directions. So, so it's like, it's funny how we want to sometimes say, God, you said this. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I also said this, but you're not looking at that. So we stand there and we, you're not answering me, God. This is not going away. You're not saving me. You're not delivering me. You're not, what are you doing? How can you bring me here? Especially in this situation, right? God had already, God was the one to tell Jacob to go back. So now Jacob is here because God sent him here and now he's confronted and many of us are like, God, you told me to come here. I was listening to you and now look what I got to go through. Well, yeah, well, God did send him there because in this place he will be faced with something that was going to force him to have to come clean, to have to reveal who he really was. It's a pruning that had to take place and it wasn't gonna be able to happen over here. So sometimes God will lead you to a place where it might seem like, why would God bring me here? But he's bringing you here because he's preparing you for the next place. And it's going to hurt sometimes. And you'll be frustrated sometimes. You'll be scared sometimes. But you got to own up to who you are and allow God to do what he has to do. He's waiting for you to cry out and say, my name is Jacob. God, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've lied. I've cheated. I put others before you. I put work before you. I've put hobbies before you. I'm sorry. Confessing your sins, give it to him and position yourself for the blessing that awaits you. So to wrap up the story, so you guys don't think that, like, what happens next? 400 guys. Jacob, first of all, he limps away from this. I mean, you got to limp. He disconnected his hip and socket right from the socket, right? So he's obviously limping. He limps away from this. His brother Esau arrives with the 400 men, and the miraculous happens. His brother embraces him he embraces him he doesn't kill him he doesn't hurt him he doesn't hurt any of his family members he embraces his brother you know Jacob's wrestling is symbolic of the spiritual struggle that we will face And this is the thing that I want us to just keep in the back of your mind. Sometimes God may have to touch, touch the things in our life that are causing us to stand against him. There are things in our lives that he has to touch. And when he touches it in the way that he touched Jacob, it'll be a painful touch. He'll shift things. He'll disturb things within us. And, and, and it will cause us frustration. It will cause this and that. But in reality, in reality it's, it's, it's a form of discipline because of love, right? 
love. Sometimes we need to get it. He wants us to get the picture. Like, listen, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to, trying to get your attention. I'm trying to show you that I'm going to save you. I'll take care of you. I'll come through for you. But there's some things that got to go. You got to be real with me. Like you be real. And it's not, for, it's not so that God can know because he already knows, but some, it's about you saying it and coming to the acceptance of I am a mess and I need a savior. So if you guys could stand with me this morning. brother Al to come up again and, and just place himself here and I'm Sister Chanel if you can come up Jesus we're here to intercede for you we're here to pray for you We are all struggling with things in our lives. We all struggle with desires. We struggle with thoughts. We struggle with, 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 with even our walk with God. Like the title says, I know the struggle is real. It's, it's not easy. It's not an easy walk. It's not easy. It's not, it's not easy to get over certain things. And sometimes we've put ourselves in that situation. It's because of us that we're going through some of the trials and tribulations. It's because of our choices and our decisions that we're hurting and that we're frustrated and this and that. But you know what? We still serve a God that even though we took ourselves there, he can still deliver us. So today, we want to pray with you if you're going through any struggle in your life right now any decisions that you maybe you're struggling with God about. Circumstances in your life that maybe not, may not make sense right now. As we pray, the altar is open and we want to pray with you today. I don't want you to leave. You got to, listen, you got to have that attitude that Jacob had. He says, I will not leave until you bless me. Well, you could say he was kind of gangster there, right? All of us can be gangster for so many other things. But when it comes to this, sometimes it's like we're, it's just, it's so different, right? Listen, I challenge you today to tell God today, God, I can't leave this place until you bless me. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. Father God, the altar is open. And as the altar is open, Lord, I ask right now that you touch each and every person that's here today, Lord. Look at the struggle that they're having right now. 
Some are even having a struggle to get to the front, Lord. They're fighting with themselves because they know that they should, but they struggle, Lord, of what it may seem like or what people may say. There's a struggle, Father God, that, Lord, we need to get over and we need to trust you with it. And, Lord, right now I ask that you just help us today. That you lift up a people that will say, I'm not going to leave this place until you speak to me, until you bless me, until you heal me. I won't leave here until you deliver me, Lord. Father God, right now, Lord, I ask that you just move in such a way that you stir the hearts of each and every person, Lord, knowing their struggles, knowing their battles, knowing, Father God, that they need you. That I need you, that we need you. Lord Jesus, some of us struggle more than others because we don't, we have yet to make a decision to say you are my savior. There are some of us struggling because we don't have a relationship with you at all, God. And today can be the day that you can say enough is enough. I need Jesus in my life. If you find yourself right now not having made that commitment to follow Christ, today can be your day. Father God, I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, but that you rose on the third day. I submit myself to you. I need you, Lord. I desire to live as a child of God. Help me. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.